This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 45, Protest the Villain, recorded September 7th, 2016. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another fun edition of the Gridiron Graduates. It's the season opening edition. Hard to believe the season is finally here. We are one day away at the time of the recording from kicking off a brand new season. Bill said he hitting you guys back up, and as always, my buddy Ian Wharton joining me. What's going on, my brother? Hey, man, doing really well. Um, down here in Houston, it is starting to cool off a little bit, which means that uh, it is officially NFL season. The uh, sun didn't rise this morning until after 7 a.m., so... <laughs> that, that's a good indication that the fall has actually arrived here. Uh, so, so I'm really good, man. I'm, I'm excited. We're on the eve of, of uh, one of the most exciting times of the sports calendar. Um, obviously, with the Broncos and Carolina Panthers um, kicking us off. I'm really excited, man. Ex- excited not only to watch the games, but take on a new role as I'm working with Bleacher Report, evaluating cornerbacks, AFC cornerbacks uh, for Bleacher Report. So. Nice. Uh, just really excited, man. It's a new challenge, and uh, every season brings the ups and downs and a lot of downs for, for my favorite team. And <laughs> But, uh, but no, I mean, it's it, all is well. It's, it's, it's only sports. So, and of course, I can say that when my team is bad. But, you know, for the other sports where I'm a fan of good teams, of course, it's life or death. So. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, today was actually a pretty hot one for us, pretty surprisingly but uh you know like you said we're about 24 hours away from the season really glad the off season preseason finally over we could finally watch some meaningful football uh so let's jump into it i think first thing we got to touch on though of course is the big trade that happened over the week and that was the eagles trading away sam bradford to the minnesota vikings for a first-round pick in 2017 and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2018. And, wow, I tell you what, this is one of those trades that you you had to take a double look. You read it once, and you're like, did this really happen? And then you finally realize, yeah, this was a real trade. The Eagles actually got a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. And now, after all the talk of... You know, sitting Carson Wentz and letting him develop and whatnot. Now they turn around and he's going to be the starting quarterback week one against the Browns. And Chase Daniels is going to be the backup. What a crazy turn of events in Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, though it makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes a lot of sense for both teams. Now the first round pick comes off as pretty heavy of a price, especially for a guy that we all know is average, I think at best. And, you know, with his injury history, uh, if he can actually stay on the field for 16 games, I mean, that's, that's going to be an impressive feat. He just, for whatever reason, it's a guy that just has had trouble staying on the field that much. So, um, you know, I think that this was great for the Eagles. There's a no, lose situation by doing this it's funny because once the bridgewater news happened and I, I, I can't remember if i touched on it last week but maybe i did i know i had put it on twitter uh much to the chagrin of some folks that uh 
that this would make sense for both the Eagles and the Vikings. And so I was surprised when it actually happened just because you don't see big trades like this, especially yeah, right before mention, the season. Yeah, you did. Now that I think about it, you did kind of bring this up. We didn't think it would happen, but yeah, you did kind of call it. It went, it just, it just made a lot of sense for where the Eagles are right now and, uh, you know, what they want to accomplish with Carson Wentz. Um, I think he is a guy that he needs time to improve, but I'm also, I'm not sure where I'm at on the argument of do you start him or do you sit him? You know, for example, with Jared Goff and, and Carson Wentz with the debate, I'm usually okay with getting guys on the field early, even if they're not a great player right away. Uh, I think that that's the best way to learn from your mistakes. Uh, it just kind of depends on your situation and your environment. Wentz, it's going to hurt not having a great receiving core. Um, the offensive line depth scares me a little bit to put him out there already. But on the other hand, the opportunity presented itself to move Bradford now and to get out from underneath that salary to pick up that first-round pick that you gave away to the Browns last year for Wentz. I like the deal. I like the deal for, for Minnesota as well. You have a short window to win. And even if you didn't, Okay, what are you trading away? If this year went according to plan, you're trading away a pick in the mid-20s with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, that's a valuable pick, especially in this draft. This looks like a strong, deep draft. But that's a projection, and that's a guy that may not impact your team in the next two years. Even if you hit on that pick, it's still, you know, this is a point where the Vikings are deep enough and good enough to where you're probably not going to get a day one left tackle or right tackle starter. Um, you're probably not going to get someone that's going to... Maybe you're going to get a linebacker that can start, but that's a maybe. You know, and, and to get there, if you don't make this trade, yeah, you're going to probably finish higher than the mid-20s with Sean Hill, but why would you waste that year? I, I think this is a tolerable trade, even though the first-round pick is a big sticker shock. It's a late first-round pick. And for a team that's a deep playoff contender, even with Bradford. I think this team is right back in the mix. They might not win the division. Um, I'm going to keep my division pick with the Packers because I do think that there's enough of a drop from Bridgewater to Bradford. But this wasn't an awful trade. Like I know some people hated it because they saw a first-round pick, but I also think we tend to, as a society and in sports, we tend to overvalue draft picks at times. Um there's no promise of what that player will become. You don't even know who's going to be in the draft uh, right now. Not even close. No clue. So I like the trade. It's an aggressive move. Uh, it's a great coaching staff. I think he's going to fit that offense nicely. Um, and obviously with Adrian Peterson, I mean, look, Adrian Peterson, this is the second best quarterback he's played with, in my opinion, with Bridgewater being first. So... This is a team that's trying to keep themselves relevant. All that has to happen for them to possibly advance is an injury or two. If Russell Wilson gets hurt, or Carson Palmer gets hurt, or Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, well, now they're right back in the thick of things, and they're keeping themselves relevant. I really like that move for them, as, as surprising as it was. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we, we go back to the fact that you know a couple of years ago, they make the playoffs with Christian Ponder as their quarterback. Sam Bradford is, you know, for as average as he is, he's definitely better than Christian Ponder. Yeah. So there's no reason why Adrian, they can't, you know, hand the ball off to Adrian Peterson or even Jarek McKinnon. 
let the run game do their thing, and have Bradford kind of pick and choose his spots. And I don't expect Bradford to play week one because, you know, they're saying he's going to split the reps with Sean Hill. I just don't know if he'll be ready this quick to, you know, after only having about a week, week or so to learn the offense, is he going to be ready to play week one? I think my guess is Sean Hill is going to be out there week one, but by week two, um, I think they'll be ready to unveil Sam Bradford, which I believe that week two game is a, is a Sunday nighter as well. I believe that's the home opener for the Vikings. So it'll be like the unveiling of everything uh, for Minnesota. Uh, so with that, I think we'll, that'll kind of lead into, we'll start to make our picks now, start, start to preview week one. And it feels so good to say that previewing week one of the NFL season. And, of course, it all starts tomorrow night, or tonight if you're listening on Thursday, with the Super Bowl rematch, the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos on NBC. Cam Newton's back with the Panthers, but it'll be Trevor Simeon taking over the reins for the Broncos. But they've still got that dominant defense, and that's what's going to keep the Broncos you know, pretty competitive in this game. Um, I do... I am picking the Panthers in this one because of the, because of Cam Newton. You know, he obviously gets the edge over Trevor Simeon, but I think that this could still be kind of a low-scoring game. You know, both defenses will get after it. But is Trevor Simeon, you know, it'll be his first game. He's on the national stage. What's he going to bring to the table on this first game going up against that defense? That'll be something for for me to watch. Um, but week one is always just so wacky, you know, weird things always happen because, you know, for one, you have so much time to prepare for your opponent. Most of these teams have been preparing for this game for probably about two weeks now, you know, around week three of the preseason, they kind of start to get their game plan together. Um, but like I said, I, I think the Cam Newton factor, because it's Trevor Simeon and not Peyton Manning or even Mark Sanchez in there to me, gives the slight edge to the Panthers in this one. Yeah, this is going to be a really tough game, I think, for the Broncos to break in a new starting quarterback. Um, We saw it in the Super Bowl that, yeah, their defense can take over, but their defense was also playing in a great rhythm. And, I mean, so was the Carolina offense, absolutely, but it was really one of those situations where they already had their groove, and I think that they had found the sweet spot and the and the uh, the formula to win. And Peyton Manning did quite a bit uh, when he needed to. He played well when he needed to. Can you rely on Trevor Simeon to even do that? I don't think that you can. I, to me, this was never a guy I saw as an NFL starter. Uh, and obviously, he's defied what my expectations were by making it this far, and that's props to him. But. You know, I think this is going to be a Carolina win. I think they're going to be very emotional, and they're going to be on the road, so they're going to feel like the pressure is not on them, as opposed to the Super Bowl, where I think that they felt that the pressure was on them to win mm-hmm. and uh, complete their magical run. Of course, a lot of their players um, very young and inexperienced in those deep playoff settings, as opposed to the Broncos, who had a lot of uh, playoff experience, starting with Manning. And 
it's just a different ball game. And right now, I'm looking at Carolina's offense and saying they look much improved with Calvin Benjamin back, Charles, uh, Cal, uh, Funchess, Devin Funchess, a year older. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a unit that's going to be deeper and more explosive. And that's, a, that's saying a lot considering how good that was last year. You know, Cam Newton's arguably a top three quarterback in the NFL. So I just think that combined with how well the Panthers offense, uh, should progress as they've aged a little bit and they've gotten healthier, combine that with the struggles of the Pan- the Broncos passing attack that I expect. I think this will be a close, good game, but I do think Carolina wins. So then we turn the page to the early games on Sunday. So just run through them quick, and we'll kind of pick at them a little bit. Tampa Bay at Atlanta, Buffalo at Baltimore, Chicago at Houston, Green Bay at Jacksonville, San Diego at Kansas City, Oakland at New Orleans, Cincinnati at the Jets, Cleveland at Philadelphia, and Minnesota at Tennessee. I think one thing I'll be curious to watch in this early wave, I, I got to touch on the Jaguars, you know, because you know, people have been pumping them up. Um, obviously, everybody's sleeper pick. Definitely a tough start right out of the game, hosting Aaron Rodgers. You know, so that young defense is going to be tested early on. You know, see how guys like Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey, obviously the two rookies, how they handle this. Um, you know, that new defensive line look with Malik Jackson up there. And then, of course, you know, all eyes will be on Blake Bortles as he continues to try to take that step forward, going up against what should be a very good Packers defense, finally putting Clay Matthews on the outside permanently. So, you know, this it's, it's an early game, but it's definitely one that, uh, you know, if Jacksonville can steal this one, you know, it'll show that they're, they're ready to hang with the big boys. This is a, I think this is a real good first test for them for a team that is, they basically went all in this offseason and they know that, you know, the pressure's on Coach Gus Bradley. So if, if they can, uh, so I'll be really interested to see if they can steal this one. I, I, and I think they very well could. I think it's going to be a close game. But um, I don't know. I, I, I really want to take the upset. I, I feel like they can pull it off, but it, it, it's tough. It's, it's going to be tough for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And Vegas has this as a uh, Packers four-and-a-half-point favorite to win by a four-and-a-half or more. I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover that. I think that they'll, I think the Jaguars will lose, but I do think that the, the, they will cover that four and a half point spread. I think this will be a close game. Two explosive offenses. Two talented and young defenses, for the most part young, outside of, uh, Clay Matthews and, and Julius Peppers for, uh, the Packers. So I think this will be a really good game. I'm with you, but I'm going to go with the Packers by, um, maybe like two or three points. What else are you looking forward to in the uh, early wave of games? Um, you know, also with an eye towards these uh, these spreads, uh, I'm kind of looking at. Uh, I want to see how the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons game goes. Uh, so this is a game for me that Atlanta's favored by three, which is surprising to me. I'm taking Tampa Bay in this game, 
um, to win outright. I want to see how Jameis Winston and his offense uh, performs under Dirk Cutter now as a head coach. I think this is a good test for them on the road with Atlanta. Atlanta's, I'm not a fan of their team. I do think this will be a team that struggles this year, uh, but it's still a, a road game to start the season. And so it's, it's not the hardest of tests, but it's one that's going to say, this is a team that you should beat Tampa Bay. Can you go in there on the road in a divisional game and get that early win? Set yourselves up for success this season. I want to see how that defensive line looks as they're starting their first game together. I think that's a really good unit. Um, secondary, they improved a lot with Brent Grimes and uh, Vernon Hargraves. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how Tampa Bay plays. And I also want to see how Atlanta reacts. I think that Matt Ryan has really, really struggled uh, the last two years. I'm really worried about him moving forward. Um, I'm worried about his future, especially with that massive contract. Mm-hmm. So that's really a game. I think that I think it should be a close game, um, but I do think that Tampa Bay will win that maybe by a touchdown. Yeah, and um, you know, for the longest time, when talking about the Falcons and Matt Ryan and that offense. We were always looking for somewhere else on the offense to kind of lay the blame. You know, was it the offensive line's fault or the receivers or coaching, whatnot? Now I think it's kind of starting to circle that it's on Matt Ryan. And he's the focal point for the reason why the Falcons have been struggling. Now, can he build it back up? You know, we'll see. You know, that Roddy White's gone, but you do, do bring in... Mohamed Sanu, um, you know, they drafted the tight end as they're still trying to find the answer for their replacement to uh, Tony Gonzalez because they just have not found one yet. But you're right, this is a good opportunity for Tampa Bay because there's a bunch of people riding the, the Bucks bandwagon. You know, obviously, as I said last week, I think they could make the playoffs. So I'm obviously one of those guys. So can... Can this offense go out and show people that, you know, they're a team on the rise and can take that next step? You know, again, not not saying they're going to catch Carolina, but, you know, they want to try to at least be the second best team in that division, and it starts with winning these road division games. Um, and then also, you know, Oakland, again, obviously the other sleeper team, and especially that new-look defense, you know, bringing in Bruce Servin, bringing in Sean Smith. How are they going to get after Drew Brees, who, of course, just got paid? Getting almost $45 million, um guaranteed. So that, that's something else I'm looking forward to. And then, of course, you know, Philadelphia hosting Cleveland. Um, I do, I am actually picking Cleveland in that game. You know, again, you don't know what to expect from Carson Wentz. You know, I understand the coaching staff's high on him, but the kids also barely played in the preseason. He he hasn't taken a snap since week one of the preseason, so you're talking almost a month. It'll, it'll pretty much be a month when Sunday rolls around since he had taken a snap. And this Browns team is not as bad as people think anymore. This, they've quietly built a a solid roster. You know, they've they've definitely got some talent. Um. Now, with, with the Eagles, of course, too, that defense is very good. You know, all the focus has been on how, stru- how much the offense is probably going to struggle. 
but they still got a pretty good defense. You know, they still got some talent at all three levels. You know, Fletcher Cox along the D-line, Jordan Hicks in the middle, uh, Malcolm Jenkins in the secondary. But, uh, you know, corner is still an issue, especially after they just traded Eric Rowe to New England and get, you know, let's face it, next to nothing. Because when you talk a draft pick two years in the future, it's really not much, you know, in today's world. You know, we're talking like right now. So that's an issue. Uh, the other linebacker spots are an issue. So, you know, I think the Browns can come in because there's not going to be a lot of pressure on them. So they'll go in, and I think RG3 can have a nice game. And I think the Browns are going to stun some people, pull a bit of an upset, give themselves a win, and improve their their draft slot for next season by dropping the Eagles. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the Browns win this game. Um, this is, I think, this is a really interesting matchup from a young player perspective. Um, RG3, I'm really rooting for him as well. Philadelphia is favored by four. I'm, I'm definitely picking the Browns in this one. Um, it's not that the Eagles are a bad team per se. Uh, I just don't, I, for whatever reason, I just have more confidence in Hugh Jackson uh, to get this offense for the Browns rolling and just to simply outscore some teams this this year. I don't even think that they're necessarily uh, going to be a great team or they may not win more than six games, but there's going to be some games where they do just put up a, a surprising amount of points. And so maybe this is one of those games. You know, Eric Rowe, the Eagles traded him. I thought that was a real shame. Um, he has a real good young talent. I, I think it's ridiculous when you choose talent or scheme over talent. I, I just, I don't understand the concept of that. Um, as a coach, uh, you can easily fit a talented young, long second, uh, or second year cornerback into your system. Uh, so that was a little, little, uh, head scratching there by Jim Schwartz, but he's had a history of, of doing that and, and, uh, throwing away talented cornerbacks before. So this isn't the first time. So that's unfortunate for the Eagles, I think. But uh, I, I do pick the Browns here. I think this will be a fun game. Obviously, with the two quarterbacks, a lot of intrigue around these guys. Uh, but I'm going to take the Browns here. Very, very close game. But I think that they pull it out at the end. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and move to the late window games you've got your dolphins taking the long cross-country trip out to the pacific northwest to take on the seahawks dak prescott and the dallas cowboys as odd as that sounds this soon they're taking on the giants and matthew stafford and andrew luck will be on the same field as the lions take on the colts Obviously, one of the big storylines here, of course, is Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott, a pair of rookies in that Dallas backfield, going up against what on paper should be a strong Giants defense. Again, obviously, the big free agent pickups, Olivier Vernon and Janoris Jenkins. You know, so I think this this will be a shootout, though. I think both offenses will put up points. I think... um, it, it, these these games are always fun too, you know. Giants Cowboys, 
you never know what to expect. Maybe Dak fumbles late in the game because that's just the way these games go in week one. And, you know, especially considering they've played each other in week one for like 50 straight years, it feels like. Um, what do you, what do you think? I'm curious. I'm sure you have something to say about the Dolphins too, in what should be a, a real tough matchup for them at Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I'm expecting the uh, Dolphins to get their tails handed to them um, in Seattle. I don't, I don't think that'll be a close game. If you have anyone playing on your fantasy team, the Dolphins this week, whether it be Christine Michael. Um, Thomas Rawls, I might hesitate on just because I would want to see what type of workload he's going to get week one. Um, but any of their receivers that you have, I would play them. The Dolphins' defense is atrocious, and um, I, I just don't think that this is going to be a game. The Dolphins have beaten the Seahawks twice um, since Tannehill and Wilson were drafted, but I just I don't see this being a particularly great game. Um just because where Miami struggles the most is physicality. And obviously the Seahawks are one of the most physical teams in the NFL. And obviously at home, it's going to be really tough for a first-time head coach um, against that coaching staff. It's just uh, I, I'm not expecting much from Miami. So I, although that's a lot of points, 10.5 points for Seattle, as a, as, if I'm betting this game, I'm taking Miami to cover. I'm not putting much on it, but I would take Miami to cover, but Seattle to win. And uh, as far as the other late games, obviously the Patriots and Cardinals is going to be the game a lot of people watch. As Cardinals favored by six. Um, Sunday night football. Patriots, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm really interested in seeing how he does. I think he can be uh, a solid to an average to solid starter in the NFL. I'm interested to see the progress that he's made. And uh, the Cardinals, obviously, I want to see, are they healthy? And if they are healthy, this shouldn't be too hard uh, for them to win. It's just it's going to be hard for the Patriots without Tom Brady. I mean, that's not a, not a crazy statement. That's not an outlandish statement, uh, especially at home. I'm expecting the Cardinals to win. Mm-hmm. They're favored by six. I'm definitely taking the Cardinals there to cover. Yeah, I, I agree, too. You know, the, the Cardinals, and we talked about this last week, this looks like their year. To really make a run, you know, if, uh, if Carson Palmer stays healthy, you know, which we know can be a big if sometimes, but if he stays in there, this is a really strong team and, you know, one of the best rosters in the NFL. Uh, you know, really curious how they get after New England. Again, uh, like you said, Jimmy Garoppolo, how, how is he going to fare? Uh, so I, I definitely think this will be one of the better games, even without Tom Brady. So uh, this, this will be fun to watch on Sunday Night Football. And then, of course, you get to the Monday Night Doubleheader. Pittsburgh travels to Washington. And then Los Angeles, which I'm still getting used to saying that. <laughs> Los Angeles taking on San Francisco in the nightcap. And, you know, we've talked about the 49ers before. They are probably going to be in contention for the number one overall pick in next year's draft because they look like they're they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, especially with Blaine Gabbert as a starter. Not that the Rams are much better, you know, especially at quarterback going with Case Keenum. 
Um, and of course, Jared Goff won't even be active in this game. And it sounds like he's going to be at best the number two uh, in week two when they host the Seahawks. So, um, you know, we're really crazy how things have gone out there. Now, I, know, I, I think it was Lewis Riddick. I forget who it was on Twitter. I want to say it was Lewis Riddick said on Twitter, um, you know, that we have to remember that the Rams didn't get the number one pick by being the worst team. Which, yeah, that's a fair point. They did win seven games last year. But the fact that, you know, Jared Goff couldn't beat out Case Keenum and Sean Mannion does raise some eyebrows a little bit. But, you know, it's still early. You know, he could still develop. But uh, to me, it's still pretty surprising that they traded all those assets to move up to get him. And he's not even going to be active week one, let alone starting week one. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. Um, however, it is also Jeff Fisher. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's what's weird to himself. me. Exactly. And, and that's what's really weird to me is not only did he put Goff inactive, he already announced that Goff would be the number two quarterback week two. So, I, you know, I, I'm a little bit surprised that Goff didn't win the starting job. I thought he'd be a little bit more advanced than what he has been. However, it's not a good situation for any quarterback. I think Case Keenum's going to find this out very quickly. Um, of course, having Todd Gurley helps. But, you know, Jared Goff was stuck with the second and third team all preseason. And that, to me, was a big factor in why he struggled. Now, he's very young. He just turned 21 years old, obviously coming from the Bear Raid system with Cal um, to a very rigid and... Uh, basic offense with the Rams. I think that we saw defenses jump that offense a lot. Um, but there's also some learning that Goff has to do in the NFL. And I, I'm not surprised that they want to bring him along a little bit slowly. Um, I actually respect that. I will say that about Jeff Fisher. I'm not going to bash him for that. I don't like how he's handled him as far as making him inactive. Um, but I do kind of agree with bringing him along slowly and trying to make sure that when he hits the field, he's 100% prepared. Yeah, so uh should be an interesting week one for sure. Um, you know, of course, next week we'll kind of review it all, find out what kind of craziness happened, where the uh, WTF moments came, because you know you're going to get a couple of them. They always happen in week one. You know, maybe Miami upsetting Seattle will be one of them. You know, because it always seems you get that one weird upset that no one saw coming in week one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last week was, uh, or last year was uh, San Francisco, Minnesota. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe San Francisco will do it again. <laughs> yeah, maybe they will. You know, for me, I'm, I'm kind of feeling Chicago's going to be that team. You know, um, uh, Going up against Houston, you know, I don't know why. Something's just kind of telling me, you know, Chicago can go in there and and beat the Texans. You know, maybe Jay Cutler finds some kind of magic this week. So, 
Yeah, you don't you don't seem to be feeling Houston too much, which is fine. <laughs> just I seems think, seems like that's not your team. I, I guess I just need to see them a little more. You know, make you know see how this new offense clicks, and you know see how I feel about them. That's fair. I mean, it's a lot of new offensive pieces, and uh, I don't think it's going to be right away when they click. You know, and you know, being you know eighteen. It's still, and I understand why they did it. You know, giving Brock Osweiler 18 million a year. You know, because that's just how the quarterback market was driven. You know, but we'll see, and and maybe they'll prove me wrong. You know, and and in a way, I kind of hope they do. You know, if if they do, great. I'll I'll say, hey, I was I was wrong about the Texans all along. So I think we'll. shift gears now a little bit to college kind of touch on that quick and then kind of wrap things up because it was obviously a wild week one you know a lot of great games some big comebacks obviously oh yeah it was a tremendous opening weekend for college football absolutely you know between uh, the shootout between Texas and Notre Dame almost 100 points between the two teams to Florida State's 22 point comeback victory over Ole Miss. You know, it obviously it really shook up the uh, the rankings. You know, clearly Alabama still number one after destroying USC, and I believe you called that too. I think you said Alabama was going to crush USC, which clearly they did. Yep, I got that, and I also said Appalachian State would be. Right on the heels of Tennessee, and boy, they almost yes, did they it. Did. They, they probably should have finished right that there. off. <laughs> and you know, and what do we say? It would be so Tennessee of them to let App State hang in there. And sure enough, they they did nothing to prove the skeptics wrong, saying that they were overrated. You know, they are still ranked, but. Uh, You know, like like we said, and you know, we'll, we'll see how they do the rest of the season. I, I guess I don't know. Was the media just that high on Joshua Dobbs that they slapped him with a preseason top ten rank? Well, I think part of the issue is that everything always comes back to recruiting with them, and while it's fine and dandy that they have good recruiting numbers. A, their staff doesn't develop talent, and B, I don't think that the recruits that they get are that good. I think that's one of the big issues, too. You don't see many Tennessee volunteers in the NFL doing well, and I think that that's a direct result of recruiting and the lack of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so looking back, what were some of your, uh, your favorite moments besides, well, obviously... I'm sure that your favorite moment was Houston scoring the huge win over Oklahoma and, of course, Ohio State hanging 77 on Bowling Green. So if you want to touch on those and anything else that kind of caught your eye from week one. Yeah, the, the Houston win was gigantic. I mean, that's that's a program win. They've now beaten Florida State and Oklahoma on neutral sites in back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm very happy for them. I didn't expect them to win in that fashion. Um, in fact, I didn't even expect them to win. just because. And I thought that Oklahoma early found 
the recipe to win. They kept feeding Joe Mixon, who looked fantastic as a receiver and a runner, but he only got six carries all game. Uh, Samaje Perrine, six carries. Even though he got hurt, neither of those guys should have had less than 15 carries that game. Uh, they should have destroyed Oklahoma or uh, uh, Houston in the trenches. Uh, a huge game by the freshman Ed Oliver. Uh, great game planning, great execution by their players. Uh, but Oklahoma wilted when they needed to play well uh, to win this game. And I think that another big issue was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield looked awful. And my big question with him entering this season as far as an NFL draft prospect is, can he play within the structure of an offense? He's very good at creating on his own and extending plays and getting things downfield based off of that extension, but we've seen it with Johnny Manziel. You you have to at least be able to function in a traditional offense to make defenses respect you, to keep them honest, uh, but also to keep the offense flowing. It's hard to build offenses off of improvisers only. Russell Wilson is great within the structure of an offense, but he's also a fantastic improviser. Um, so Baker Mayfield, I thought, really lost a lot of momentum that he may have had entering the season. I had him as like a possible mid-round pick entering that game, and there's a lot of season left. They're going to play Ohio State, not this week, but next week, mm-hmm. and that's going to be another opportunity for him to redeem himself. But um, overall, he did take a, a, a hit for me. I wanted to see him improve, not take a step back or stay the same, and he looked about the same uh, at his worst moments last year, and so there's concerns there. Um, but overall, I'm very excited about Houston's outlook. Ohio State, I didn't expect him to score 77. I'll say this, though. I, I think I was wrong about this team. This team looked better than last year's version at any point that they looked that I saw them last year. Um, they looked deeper. They looked faster, more athletic, more explosive. Um, I think that the Buckeyes may be en route to another championship run or at least a, a deep playoff run. Um Come time. So I'm, I'm really excited about them. Uh, I think that they're going to be a handful for everyone that they play this year. But, uh, but also, you know, I'm also looking at the UCLA Texas A&M Texas game. I watched that one. Fantastic game between those two. Josh Rosen really struggled. I think we really need to pump the brakes on him as far as being a future superstar. I think he's a lot more Jay Cutler than anyone else. And I, I don't mean that in a positive way, really. Um, he didn't have a horrible game, but he didn't have a good game either. Uh, he did struggle. Also, watched two great running backs, especially the return of Nick Chubb for Georgia, between Georgia and North Carolina. Elijah Hood only got 10 carries, which was really disappointing. He's a very good running back for North Carolina. But Nick Chubb was fantastic in his return. He carved up the Tar Heels defense. 222 yards, a couple touchdowns, a couple of big, long runs. That was excellent to see. I did not expect that type of performance out of him, and especially to take that type of workload. Had over 30 carries. Uh, so that knee is looking good, and he's going to be back and better than ever, um, at least 100%. If not now, then he will be in the very near future. And then obviously, like you mentioned, Notre Dame and Texas, Ole Miss and Florida State, those were awesome, awesome games. So really a great weekend. Um, we needed it to start the season off. Um, week two is very, very weak mm-hmm. uh, for college football. Basically, start off with Friday, Louisville at Syracuse. 
you want to watch Louisville, watch Lamar Jackson, their quarterback. He is extremely talented. He's just a sophomore. He's not draft eligible. But I'll tell you what right now, and this is way too early, but for the 2018 draft, he would be my number one pick um, if I needed a quarterback. I think he's very talented. Um, but the rest of the weekend, you're not looking at too many interesting games. It's the first weekend in four years where there's no top 25 matchup. So two ranked teams are not playing each other this week for the first time in four years. So if you have chores, if you owe your wife or your husband um, or your spouse or your parents, your son, your daughter, anyone, if you owe them favors that need to be uh, executed on a weekend, this is the weekend. Do it this Saturday. Say, honey, or son, or mom. Say, guess what? I'm going to sacrifice watching college football to do this for you. Get that guilt trip on them. But in reality, you're the winner because you're going to avoid some bad games. Um, the most interesting game this weekend may be Baylor against SMU. And the only reason that would be interesting is that those two teams may put up 70 on each other. Um, honestly, guys, I'm not going to be watching much college football this Saturday. There's just, there's not any games that really interest me. Tennessee and Virginia Tech might be a little bit interesting. Um, Texas Tech, Arizona State. And then Oregon and Virginia. Those are my games to watch at night. The rest of the day, I'm not watching any college football. Um, there's just there's not enough really to to keep my interest. Yeah, and I talked about this last week. You know, I was really looking forward to Virginia Tech Tennessee, just because of the fact that they're playing at Bristol. So I'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, Iowa Iowa State. You know, they're always good rivals, so that'll be a fun game. Um, yeah, you do have a couple SEC games this week, but yeah, like you said, this, uh, this week just looks really meh, you know, so it's really, especially, you know, you mentioned Virginia, Oregon, um, hopefully Virginia's at least a little angry and shows some fire in this game, considering they just lost to Richmond at home, so, uh. Yeah, so it's nice that we had the big week one, and then, you know, of course, next week at least we have um, we have some strong games. You know, like you mentioned, Ohio State is playing Oklahoma next week, so at least we'll have that. But uh, I do want to ask you this, though. If Houston runs the table... Because, you know, the rest of their schedule is pretty easy. I think they said they only play, like, one more ranked team. Mm -hmm. If they run the table, are they in the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think that's a that's a big stretch for me to say that. They got their signature win. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what matters now. Their, their, la their other ranked opponent is going to be Louisville. Um, if they're still ranked at the end of the season, it's at the very end of the season. And then they also have a conference championship game. Uh, so, you know, they may have the opportunity to play one, maybe a second one. Uh, but yes, I do believe that because they won so dominantly that it will be remembered fondly. Obviously, if you're Houston, you want Oklahoma to win out because that win will continue to look better and better. Um, 
you know, I hope Oklahoma only loses one more game the rest of the year. And obviously that's next week. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think Oklahoma's a good team. I do think they'll be just fine. But yeah, I, I do think Houston is definitely on the track to, uh, to make the college football playoff and to, they could possibly do well in that too. It's a really good team. Surprisingly, even though they don't have a ton of top tier recruits, um, Tom Herman's an amazing coach and they have a lot of good talent. And then they obviously have a lot of young talent like Ed Oliver um, in there to kind of bridge the gap. There you go. And I'd have to agree, too. You know, they'd be undefeated. They'd have a win over Oklahoma. And especially if Oklahoma can beat Ohio State next week, that's just going to make Houston's win look so much better. And, of course, you know, Oklahoma's going to face a lot of good teams when they get in the Big 12 play. You know, Texas is now just outside the top 10. Oklahoma State's still in the top 25. Baylor's in the top 25. You know, so there's still a chance for Oklahoma to pick up some big wins, which is only going to help Houston. So I would have to imagine that if Houston runs the table, I would agree with that. I think they should be one of those four teams in the playoff. And, you know, so it, it will definitely set up a lot of... Uh, a lot of good talk because you know Alabama's going to be there. But you figure Clemson and Florida State, one of them's likely going to knock the other out. Um, unless, you know, the committee feels maybe Florida State, especially now with the win over Ole Miss. Clemson, Clemson just won at Auburn. Maybe, maybe if, say, that's a close game and that's the only loss for one of those two teams, maybe they find room for both of them. Um, and then Ohio State's, you know, obviously going to be up there. Michigan will be in contentions. I, I think it's shaping up to be, you know, quite a packed field battling for those four spots, which, of course, you you know what this is, what's going to happen now. The constant talk of, oh, we should expand the eight teams, that's all going to start as well. And then people are going to get carried away. Well, if we expand to eight you know, then these teams should be in, so let's expand to 12, or let's expand to 16. And then, you know, things are going to get real carried away, even though we're only about a quarter a quarter of the way through this uh, TV agreement that the playoff has. You know, it makes for good talk, it makes for good TV, but, you know, sometimes people can get a little carried away with it. <laughs> Would I, be, I mean, I'd be fine with an 18 playoff, though, to be honest, I, I would be okay with eight. Yeah, I think eight wouldn't be too bad. I think sixteen would be pushing. Yeah, I think eight or ten is the right number, and probably eight. I'd be perfectly fine with trying eight. Um, that would kind of allow us to get non-power five teams in, and I think that would be a good step for us. And it would definitely stop some of the crying from some of these conferences too, namely the uh, Big Twelve. Yep. But, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. It's still, the, uh, it's still a long ways away. Um, so with that, I think, we're, uh, I think we'll wrap it up. I think we've got some good info out there again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first week of NFL, um, so that's going to be, you know, our number one concern, obviously. My uh, my most interesting takeaway is going to, I think, be how quickly 
certain teams, like we think playoff caliber teams, get off to a hot start? Can they can they immediately come out of the gate and look good? Um, can they stay healthy? Are guys coming uh, guys that are coming off of injury um, come back and look ninety to ninety five percent? If they can, you know those are going to be big takeaways. Said it last week with college football. Going to say it with the NFL. Don't overreact too much one direction. Um, it's a long season. It's about the growth of your team. Um, also, keep realistic uh, uh, expectations for your team, too. We know for a fact some of these teams are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. We know for a fact some of these teams are not going to make the playoffs this year uh, without incredible efforts and, and maybe a lot of luck as well. Um, so enjoy the ride. Uh, don't get too up or down either way. If your team wins, celebrate, celebrate. Have a Victory Monday cigar. Um, talk some trash online until Tuesday comes around. Uh, but once Tuesday hits, we're moving on to week two. And, uh, you know, so, so don't be cocky fan too long because, you know, only one of those teams are going to be standing at the end of the season. And if you know that your team's not going to be that team, you might not want to dish it out too much. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I can't wait till Monday to, you know, National Overreaction Day. Yep. Oh, yeah. And don't tweet during games. Don't be that guy. I'm not tweeting during games this year. Which is the, which is easily the best decision ever. That's an interesting idea. You know, just sit back and enjoy the game, see what everyone else has to say. And I guess I'll give you a chance to kind of collect your thoughts and afterwards you know let it out so with that uh, I think we'll wrap it up thanks guys as always for listening we appreciate it as always uh, remember to follow Ian on Twitter at NFL Film Study follow me at Bill underscore Seti follow the pod at Gridgrads Pod and enjoy the weekend it's finally here we made it through the off season. It all kicks off tomorrow. Enjoy week one of the NFL. Enjoy week two of the college season. Enjoy high school if you're into that. So, um, yeah, just enjoy yourselves and join us back here next week as we wrap up week one and head forward to week two. So until then, take care, my friends. We'll see you next week right here on GG.